Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Read one verse of scripture out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Should be on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can be looking at 1 Thessalonians. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Have Hope Where Others Don't. Four people said amen. I want you to know if you are saved you, and, 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 and you, you have people that you love that are saved, you have hope that others cannot have. Look at somebody and say, I have hope. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us faith, God. Thank you that we don't grieve as others grieve who have no hope, but that our hope rests firmly in you. God, I pray that now that you would anoint us to listen to what you have to say. Father, I pray that you would speak to us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, God, I pray you'd comfort the grieving and give us faith for our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. We have hope where others don't. I, I, I come to you today uh, with, with, with my own measure of grief, I come to you today with my own measure of sadness. My, my world, the world of our church family, uh, has been faced with grief this week. Last week, my, my, one of my best friends in life, sister died. They were both classmates of mine, and I had to speak at the funeral. Um, and it, that, that, that brought its own measure of grief. Uh, people told me, <laughs> I need to listen to what people say more often, pray for me. Um, I've been given some good advice in my life that I didn't always take because I'm still in my process. Uh, when, when my wife died um, on July 16th, 19, 19, 2006, one day after my 25-year celebration, I was celebrating on July 15th. 2006, 25 years of salvation. The next morning I got up and I knelt beside my wife and I held her hand in hospice as she took her last breath and died at 8.15 on a Sunday morning. Uh, that night uh, I was in the pulpit preaching. Three days later, Wednesday came around, I was in the pulpit teaching. People said, Pastor, you need to get away, grieve for a while, take your children and take some time off. And I told them, I got to do what God had called me to do. And everybody's got to process grief in their own way. And, and I had people tell me, you know, if you take some time off and, and you know, step away from all this. Uh, next Sunday, rolled around, I'm preaching. Wednesday night, preaching. Next Sunday, preaching. And, and never took a break. Uh, just kept pressing through. I don't know that it had been any different if I had listened to what people said. But I, I can tell you this for sure. Uh, Twelve years later. Um, I still have a, a, a very consistent battle with grief. 
I still have a very, and I'm just trying to be transparent and open to you guys today. I'm just, I'm just trying to share with you what life is like for real people. Now, if you want, you know, a superstar, you're in the wrong place. If you want a robot preacher, you're in the wrong place. If you want a fake preacher who will tell you everything's all right when the building's burning down, you're in the wrong place. Uh, but I've, I've still uh, cried almost every movie, almost every song I listen to. Um, I, I, I don't have grief like other people. My, my grief is filled with hope. My, my, my grief is filled with proper theology. My grief over that situation is, is, is filled with great joy, but there's still grief. Amen? I had so many people tell me, uh, people would come by and say, you know, they, they, they'd come by the office, they'd come by my home, and, and they'd, they'd see me crying, and they'd say, you know, you need to wash your face and rise up and rejoice and uh, uh, stand, stand up in Christ. And I showed them the door, and I told them, you, I don't need to talk to you right now because we're about to go in a direction that you're not ready for. Um, but the Bible says there's a time to grieve. And I want you to know that the God who created you created you with emotions to grieve. The God who created you created you with, 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 with a heart that he wants to soften up that knows how to cry and knows how to be. into. That, that's, that's why there's so many psychopaths and sociopaths in the world today because they don't, know, they don't know how to feel anything on the inside. They don't know how to get in touch with their emotions. I want you to know that as Christians we do grieve. We, we do have grief, but we don't grieve the way other people grieve. We, 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 we don't grieve with, without hope. Um, this, this Thursday, uh, for, for those of y'all who don't know, um, uh, my, my, my brother in Christ and my, my dear friend, Brother David Thomas, passed away unexpectedly. And, and, and I see his wife and daughter in church today, and I love y'all. And, and I know you don't grieve as others who grieve without hope, but that you have hope. Uh, but it hit me hard as it did so many people. I, I, I had to tell my children, and, and I see them crying now. And my boys love Brother David. And I don't know how you could come to this church and not love David Thomas. Faithful. Man, I watched my youngest cry his eyes out. My oldest told me, he said, Dad, I've never met anybody more positive than Brother David. It didn't matter what the situation was. It didn't matter. He had a smile on his face. He had a hug for everybody, and he had the praise of God in his mouth. And, and I want to tell you something. I, I have had the, 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 the difficult role uh, for a long time. I've been in full-time ministry since 1982. And I've, I've had to do a lot of funerals. I preach my own wife's funeral. I preach my brother's funeral. I preach my stepfather's funeral. Uh, I, I've had some difficult uh, things that, that I've had to go through. Uh, but preaching over a lot of people, talking about a lot of people, I've had to refuse some people's funerals. I'm like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't speak over folk that I don't have hope for. I don't speak over folk that, that I'm not going to stand up and say good things about a devil. I'm not going to stand up and say good things about somebody who I, who I know died and went to hell. I'm not going to tell you they're in heaven when they're not. I've been to funerals where people be like, Brother Bill was a good man. 
he was scandalous but a good man. And, and they go into his drinking and his whoremongering and his, uh, he hadn't been in church in 11 years since Deacon Jones and him had a fist fight at the bar. And I'm like, why don't you just tell everybody, Brother Bill's in hell right now. And I don't, I don't preach over people like that because I don't lie over top of people. But I want to tell you this, uh, with, 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 with all the sure, surety I have in the world, as sure as I'm standing a man and breathing oxygen right now, uh, I, I am confident that, that our brother in Christ, David Thomas, is in heaven with the Lord. Can anybody give God praise for that? Amen. And, and, and the scripture in our opening text in verse 13, it says, And now, comma, I'm going to be teaching with you this morning. When you see punctuation, pause on the punctuation. Uh, that's cause for pause. And now, so he's about to say something, uh, to dear brothers and sisters. What, what type of people is that? That's Christians. When the Bible talks about brothers and sisters, it's not usually referring to biological family. It's referring to spiritual family. This is talking to believers. He said, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I wonder what your thought process is in regard to what happens to you when you die. I've had, I have a friend of mine uh, who is unsaved. Uh, I've, led, I've led him in the prayer to receive Christ several times, but it never took. He's still an atheist in his mind. Um, and he believes that you just get toe-tagged, and he calls it uh, worm food and dirt nap. He's got all these different expressions for what he believes dying is and he believes that what I believe is just a crutch for weak-minded people who don't want to face reality. I believe that his bitterness rises up to say that because deep down in his heart, he knows that there's a God that he's not right with who controls. Listen, you would have to be smooth out of your mind to believe that every year that uh, fall comes after summer and gives way to winter. And then spring happens. Why, why, why don't we just have random days of hot? And, and I mean, why, why do these seasons roll in order every year? Why does the sun come up every day and, 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 and then the moon come out? Why, 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 does, why don't these, everything just crash into each other? If there's Big Bang Theory going on, why haven't we had another one? If there's evolution going on, why haven't we evolved into something different? I mean, you have to be crazy out of your head to believe what unsaved people believe i want you to know it makes a whole lot more sense for me to believe that there's a god in heaven who knows what he's doing who set things in order has got a purpose a plan and a provision for his people and so for brothers and sisters for christian people uh we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so the reality is there are believers who die but there's also what non-believers that die. There's saved people that die, but there's also unsaved people that die. But this is telling us what happens to saved people that die. And the purpose for telling this is so that we will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, I want some literary minds to look at the screen right now and look into this verse and investigate this verse. And I want you to read this verse and tell me, does it say that we Brothers and sisters, us saved people, does it say that we will not or that we should not grieve? 
It does not say that. It says that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, I talk a lot about the principle of inference because there's a lot in all literature that is inferred. Now, you can get wrong thinking that something's inferred that wasn't, but there's some stuff that's obviously inferred. It's like when mama says, boy, if you don't put that down, that's all that needs to be said. A whole lot was inferred just by that speech. Well, here's the thing. This says that God wants us to know what happens to believers who have died so that you, you brothers and sisters in Christ, you believers, will not grieve like people who have no hope. I see plainly, not even inferred, but even greater than inferred, that this is telling us that we will grieve. We just will not grieve like others. We've got to grieve some kind of way or it wouldn't tell us we weren't grieving like other people. So we must grieve. The Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep with those that weep. I had a friend whose wife died about a year after mine. And it was wild, man, because Gail and I were six and a half years apart and uh, seven years difference in school. And my, my buddy Dave... Him and his wife were six and a half years apart and seven years different in school. Uh, Dave was, uh, still is, uh, shorter than me and just, just a normal looking dude like me. And his wife was superstar good looking like my wife was. So it was hilarious because we were, we were two guys that played church softball uh, that married younger women who were much better looking than us. And, and I've always told men, look, bro, if you can't marry over your head, your swag game is off. I, seriously, how do, you even, how do you even accept yourself as a man if you can't pull a better-looking woman? Than, if folk ain't asking you how did you get her and you're just like, because I'm swagged out like that, man, what do you think? Use your imagination. Uh, if you don't have everybody asking you that, then there's something off with you. I never understood a man... Who married down? Didn't they all get quiet on that? Bruh, if you married down, that says something bad about you. That, that says you don't have what a man needs to have to, to, to marry up. Now, uh, listen, all you women, I'm talking good about you. Y'all act like y'all, listen, you ought to be glad that your man knows he married up. You ought to be glad that your man knows she's too good looking for me, but you know, God's anointment on my life, pull, that's a fake word, God's anointing on my life and my swag game helped me to get where others thought I could not get to. So anyway, me and Dave had that going on, but we also had two boys that were young. Uh, my sons were four and two when Gail died. Dave's sons were about the same age when Felicia died. Dave, Dave and I were in school at the same time, and Felicia and Gail were in school at the same time. And I remember going to her funeral. Dave, just the most positive human being on the world, he had no apparent signs of grief. And I know this dude, and I'm like, hey, man, whatever I can do. I'm not going to push up on you. Uh, everybody's got to grieve the way they grieve. But if you want to talk, I, I mean, I can't just tell you what I, what I was taught in Bible college. I can tell you what I know, what I've been through. 
um, what, what's going on. And he was so happy, and he was just so positive. He's like, man, I, I'm just excited. I know she's not hurting anymore. She's in heaven. And he never showed any outward sign of grief, but I guarantee you there's a grief for everybody. And he, he, that's just who he is. He's just a, a, a beat, happy-go-lucky uh, clowning dude, always making light and always making fun. I don't know how you grieve, but I do know this. Uh, I hope it won't be your wife. I hope it won't be your husband, but it's going to be somebody that you lose in this life. Do we understand that? The Bible says it's appointed to every man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Everybody in this room has an appointment with death. It's coming. The Bible says that the grave is the end of all people. Everybody's going to end up at, at, at their own funeral one day. You, you, you're just going to be in one or two places at, at that point, and it's not going to be in that box. That's just where the body is. Uh, but but the, the person uh, on the inside has gone somewhere else. And, and I want you to know there is a way for Christians to grieve, and that way is not like the people who have no hope. So that tells us that as Christians we have what? Hope. We have hope that there is a resurrection. Think, think about what's going on here. Think about what's going on here. The Apostle Paul is going around this entire region, uh, this entire known world, telling people about Jesus, telling people about the resurrection of Jesus, telling people that Jesus is coming back, telling people that they're living in the last days and soon Jesus was going to come back. He thought he was going to live to see the return of Christ because Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you and I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. So all the apostles were like, It'd be a good time if he came back for lunch, man. And they were just on ready all the time. They were just looking for Jesus to come back all the time. But people in the midst of believing in Jesus were dying. Because, because now, you know, 20 years have passed. And, and people have died since Jesus died. And they were freaking out because they were living for the day Jesus came back. These are new converts, brand new religion. Christianity is a brand new religion at this point in the first century. And these people are being taught by the apostles that Jesus is coming back. And everybody who is born again, everybody who has put faith in Christ, he's going to take you. He said, I'll come back for you and I will receive you to myself. When Jesus ascended after after the resurrection, the, the angels came and said, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The, this same Jesus will come again in the same way. He, he went up, taken up into the clouds. He's going to come back standing on a cloud. So they were constantly looking, but there became this bad theology in the church at Thessalonica. They started saying, well, I guess everybody that died that's not going to be here when Jesus comes back is just going to miss out. This, this, is, this is what they were thinking. This is the context of this passage. These people are freaking out because mom been holding on, waiting on Jesus to come back because Jesus is going to take her up to heaven with him when he comes back. But now mom's dead. How's she going to get to heaven? And this passage of Scripture is written to address that grief. The, 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 some, some in their fellowship had died before Jesus returned. They thought they were going to miss out on his kingdom. Uh, they were grieving because of their ignorance of God's plan. And as I shared with the uh, deacons and elders this morning before we prayed, uh, Christians are woefully ignorant about God's plan. Christians worldwide are woefully ignorant about the Bible. If I was to ask any of you to draw me a timeline 
on what, what, what's going to happen in God's redemptive plan. What's going to happen? When, when does this whole Jesus coming back thing? Because you got, you got this Jesus coming back thing, also called a rapture. You got a second coming of Christ, which is a totally different event. You, 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 you got the devil being bound in hell for a thousand years. Or different. You got all these different things going on. You got a marriage supper of the Lamb. You, you got a judgment of the Gentiles. You got a judgment of the nations. Judgment of the, you got all these different things. You got a great white throne judgment. Of, when does all this stuff going to happen and 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 i told the the elders and the deacons of the church this morning i said now if y'all want we we can just see how embarrassed we get and i'll just give all y'all a test right now and see where you put all these pieces on that timeline and, and and we can figure out how smart we all are but what i know is most people don't understand these things and and, and a lot of people choose to be ignorant and say well, it don't matter how it work out as long as it work out well, your, your hope is based on foolishness at that point. See, Christians are not asked to have faith in God with nothing. We, we don't have blind faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Our faith has evidence. There, there are things that we can see that prove to us there's a real God. The Scripture says the heavens declare the, the glory of God. You ought to be able to look up into the stars and know that all of them ain't falling down at the same time. Somebody's got to be holding them up here. Can somebody say amen? You, you ought to be able to look and see the sunrise and the sunset. You ought to, you ought to be able to look at the ocean and realize. Uh, I love that Nicole Mullins song. Uh, who told the ocean they can only come this far? God did. He said he drew out the boundaries and he told the ocean how far. I mean, everybody worried about sand dune erosion. Don't build your house 18 feet off the ocean. They're the strongest force in the whole wide world. You know that ocean will rip over your house and spit out all the wood together with the glass. But people worried about, you know, blah, 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 and, 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 and earth, uh, global warming and, and ice caps melting. And if the water rises a half an inch in, in, in the Arctic caps, then Florida in 19,000 years from now will be underwater. You won't be here to know if any of that was true. And here's what I wanted to, well, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and boy, I am so glad that the, that the, the they, they passed laws under the previous administration. President Obama was, was, you know, environmentally conscious, and he passed laws, put these mandates on all these car manufacturers that across the board, from their cars, from, from their cheapest car to their most expensive car, throughout their entire lineup had to average at least 30 miles a gallon or higher. So they started building all these ugly cars, all these small little ugly cars, getting 40 miles a gallon, uh, zero to 60 in three days, you know, can't get up on ramp. Yeah, you, you, you know, you got you got to you, you, you got to pray to get up to Matthews Bridge in some of these cars. Uh, I'm not trying to have that, man. Uh, I, I, I'm okay. Hey, if you want to drive a Dodge Charger with a 700 horsepower engine to get three miles a gallon, or go zero to sixty in three seconds, do your thing. But I'm glad those those laws got overturned, passed out. Now, now car makers are going back to putting horsepower. That's why we got a Dodge Charger with 700 horsepower in it. That we, now now they're not worrying about gas mileage. 
Because uh, here, here, here's what I can tell you about gas. Well, you know, all these cars burn so much gas. They're putting, you know, don't you understand about carbon dioxide poisoning? Don't you understand about the greenhouse effect? Don't you understand about in, in the environment? Don't you understand that this, this, we're, we're killing our planet? We didn't invent our planet. And I want to go out on a limb right now and let you know, we can't kill our planet. Oh, yes, we can, Pastor. If we continue mass production and manufacturing and warehousing, if those smokestacks are going up into the sky, if, if we don't go to solar, wind, and natural energy, and if we continue to use oil and coal, uh, we, we're just going to destroy. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God did not need our help in reducing the greenhouse effect or gas emissions to create an earth, and, and, and this earth's going to continue as long as God wants it to. And, and he already drew the boundaries uh, on the sea. He, he already put everything in place. It's so much easier for me to believe that there is a real God in heaven that created everything, that holds everything together under his own power. I hope you believe that this morning. I hope you believe in a real God. Uh, if you're staying up late at night wondering how much ice is melting, uh, the, they, they, they say that in the last 20 years we've had the greatest uptick of global warming. Listen. Over 25 years, uh, the scientists are freaking out because the, the temperature has risen by 0.0002. And if that were to continue over the next 8,000 years, we wouldn't have planet no more. And so you got, you know, uh, the, the government and Elon Musk building spaceships to go to Mars. Listen, go to Mars if you want to. I ain't going. I'm not getting on any form of transportation. Listen, I won't fly to Africa because it's 20 hours. I'm not getting in no five-year plane ride to Mars. Five years. Oh, no, they're saying now you can make it in three. I wouldn't go if it was three minutes. I'm not going to Mars if they tell us, Oh, Pastor, you don't want to be one of the first human life forms on Mars? No. I love earth. It's the planet God put me on. Uh, I, I, I like it just what we got. I mean, I don't understand people that move to Florida from up north and complain about the heat. I had multiple messages on my phone this morning before I even got out of my bedroom. Ain't this cool weather nice? I got to pray now. I got to get all in the Holy Ghost and tell these Yankees, uh, go back to New Jersey where you, hey, go hit Pennsylvania. You know, you, you, ain't, you ain't built for these 80s. These 90s are killing you. You don't have to live here. Uh, but, you know, people just uh, complain. I don't know how you can live in, in a state with almost perfect weather year-round. And Well, I just missed the cold. You don't have to miss it. I looked on the report this morning. It's snowing up north. In fall, what do you think it's going to be doing in winter? Same thing it's going to be doing in spring, going to be snowing. But the, the God who makes all this stuff happen, uh, he, he created this planet for us. I love this planet. I love this earth, and I believe God can take care of it all. Just like I believe God can take care of our bodies and our spirit when we die. Does anybody believe that with me? This is why we don't have to grieve like other people who have no hope, but they were ignorant of God's plan, and people are still ignorant today. Um, here's the reality. If a person dies without receiving Jesus, there is no hope. There's only definite awareness of 
horrific punishment. The Bible says all of sin had come short of the glory of God, and the payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is punishment. If you don't let Jesus pay for your sin, you have to pay for your own. And Jesus said this way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Stop believing all these other people chasing these other religions. Uh, doesn't matter how good or smart they sound. Jesus said he's the only way to get to heaven. He said if anybody tries to enter in through any other door but him, that they're a thief and a liar. And they won't find God by any other way but him. Jesus is the only way. Somebody ought to say amen to that. If you die without Christ, there's no hope for you. There's only certain horror for you. Uh, Jesus said, everybody who doesn't believe in him is condemned already. He, he said, if you believe in me, you'll not be condemned. But everybody who doesn't believe in me is condemned already because they've not believed in the, in, in the Son of God. If you don't believe in Jesus, you've got bad things waiting on you. If you're not saved, you better get saved. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in him, even though he dies, he shall live. And I want you to know, there is life in Christ. It's not just life on the other side. There's real life in Christ now. God can give you a better class of life right now if you be saved and live it. And he can give you heaven in all of eternity. But Jesus said that he that, li he that believes in him uh, will live and ultimately never die. There's eternal life for the believer in Christ. But I want you to know the scripture also teaches that there's eternal life for the unbeliever in hell. Everybody's going to live forever. The scripture declares that all souls are eternal and that everybody's going to live forever. You're going to live forever in heaven or you're going to live forever in hell. I thank God that the majority of the people that I love, that I care about, that have died, that I have great hope for them, that they are in heaven with the Lord. Because if, if the people that I love died and, and they were unsaved, I would be more of a train wreck than I already am. I, I want you to know there's hope for the believer even in Passing. The next verse in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. All right, now we're getting into something. Now we're getting into how this all plays out. What's it going to look like in the end of time? How's it going to shake down? Okay, well, since we believe. Now it's assuming that we, who is we? Christians. Uh, he's including himself. When the Bible says we and us, it's usually talking to Christians, they and them, usually talking to non-Christians. But since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, comma, that's cause for pause. Pause on the punctuation. Think about what you just read. See if this fits in your mind. Since we, I hope you call yourself a we. I hope that you are in that number. So when the saints go marching in, you'll be in that number. Since we believe. Now, do you believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again? See, that's what makes a Christian out of you. Everybody believes in Jesus. I ask people, uh, well, why do you think you're going to heaven? Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, everybody believes in Jesus. The Bible says the devil believes in Jesus. He's not going to heaven. But do you believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again? Does that, or, or are you unsettled with that? Or does that just make real sense to you? See, in the believer's mind, that just makes real sense. Well, of course he rose from the dead. He's God in the flesh. He said he was going to rise from the dead. He rose from the dead and he showed himself alive, the Bible says, after many infallible proofs. He showed himself to hundreds of people. One time he showed himself to over 500 people in one place in a resurrected body. Now that'll let you know for real. 
That, that, spread, that message is spread like wildfire. We talk about viral videos right now. We talk about things going viral. You, 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 you bury somebody on a Friday, you see them come walking around preaching to you the next week, you better listen to what they have to say because that, that, that's, a, that's a real story to tell. But we believe that Jesus died, was raised to life again. We, Christians, also believe that when Jesus returns, come. Well, do we believe he's coming back? Then why do we live the way we live? Mm. Now, I'm not advocating this movie, even though it's funny. It's not a Christian movie. Uh, but that, 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 that little nerd, David Spade, uh, he, he is a hilarious dude in that movie, Joe Dirt. And that movie, Joe Dirt, people would pick on him. And he would tell them, I'll tell you what my mama said. Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Picking on poor little old Joe Dirt? Is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Picking on poor little old Joe Dirt? Well, let me ask you this. You don't know Joe Dirt. Well, you know somebody like Joe Dirt. Is what you did this week what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Are you standing on the promises of Christ your king? Are, 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 are you daily singing his praises? Are you living by faith life? Are, are, you, are, are you living right, giving right, serving right, doing right? We, we believe that when Jesus returns, come. That's the cause for you. You got to think and say, oh, snap. We do believe that. He could come back today. Now check this out. If he comes back today, some of y'all, especially the ones not paying attention right now, he's not coming for you. No, sir. No, ma'am. He's coming for we. He's not coming for they. He's coming for us. He's not coming for them. He said when, when, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So here's the story, and I'm going to try to be quick. I told the staff this morning, I said, y'all pray for me because if I preach everything that I got, and, and just, just to put your mind at ease, I only printed out two of the five pages I had, so I didn't even want to bring them other pages in here. I, I, I told them we might be here at 530, and they're like, awesome. We'll still, we, hey, I can't wait. I'm like, don't, hey, don't try me. But we're going to get into this uh, some today, and we'll keep going because I want you to understand the process of how all this really plays out. What happens to somebody when they die? What happened, what happened to people who died in the Old Testament? What, what, where, where did they go? What happened to people who died while Jesus was walking on the planet and hadn't been resurrected yet? Because the Bible said that Jesus would be the first one to be resurrected. So was anybody resurrected before Jesus? Let's think about it. The Bible says Jesus is the first one to be resurrected. So if Jesus is going to be the first one to be resurrected, can anybody be resurrected before Jesus? So what about all the millions of people who died in the Old Testament, all the people who died while Jesus was walking on the planet before he died was buried and rose again? They, did they go to heaven? That's where we all failed that test, see? I got people blank-faced and I got people nodding their head. Well, if they went to heaven, resurrection is up. That means they were, they were, they were raised up, which means the Scripture ain't right. Can the Scripture be wrong? 
do like this. The scripture cannot be wrong. Jesus is the first person resurrected. Everybody that died before the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not go to heaven. Now, see, this is going to mess y'all up, and I hope some of y'all studied this to figure it out because you never heard this before, but the truth's the truth. And if you study the Bible, you'll find out Pastor Scott always brings the Bible. It's not opinion. This is the Bible. They went somewhere. They went to paradise. Say paradise. Okay? They went to paradise. They didn't go to heaven. You want to get real about heaven, guess who was in heaven before Jesus? God, the angelic host. And two other people. Now somebody knows the name of these two people. Elijah and Enoch were in heaven for thousands of years alone with God. Everybody else wasn't there. You're going to have to call your, your old preacher now. You're going to have to get on the phone and call the pastor who raised you and ask, is this real? We're going to see it in the scripture. We, we, we see that. When Jesus returns, God's going to bring back with him the believers who have died. See, when you die, your body goes in the ground. Or your body gets blown up, cremated, whatever gets done. And, and I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to get cremated because uh, what, how am I, God going to raise my body? Listen, if he can put together blown up soldiers and get them back into heaven, if, if he can put together apostles who were cut in half uh, and had limbs ripped off them, uh, he, he can put your body back together but the bible teaches that when you die your spirit goes somewhere but your body goes to the ground and ultimately in the resurrection that's going to come after the rapture after the second coming all the bodies are going to be delivered up uh into heaven uh, of of lost people saved people's bodies are going to be delivered up different saved people's bodies that have already died are going to be delivered up in the rapture People say, well, I don't believe in a rapture because the word rapture is not in the Bible. The word Budweiser is not in the Bible either. But you know it's real. And the word rapture actually is, well, let me be more specific. When the Bible was originally translated, the New Testament from Greek to Latin, the word that we have now, for uh, we will be caught up in the air. That our, our two words, caught up, come from the Latin word raptus. Guess, guess what word, English word we get from the Latin word raptus? Okay, so there you go. It's in the Bible. You just can't speak Latin, and you're, you're, reading, you're reading out of a 400-year-old translation instead of a 2,000-year-old translation. But let's keep going. Jesus is going to bring back with him believers who have died. Well, how did they get to Jesus if they're not in heaven? How did they get to Jesus if, 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 if Enoch and Elijah and God are the only ones hanging out in heaven with the angels? Well, and the Holy Ghost, what, well, what's going on? Uh, where are all these people? Well, let's look, see what the Bible has to say. Before, before I give you the answer, I'll ask you a question. When Jesus died, where did the Bible say he went for three days? Listen to what the word says. Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonah, this is Jesus talking. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so would the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. When Jesus died, he did not go to heaven immediately. He went to the center of the earth, the belly of the earth. Just like Jonah 
was in the, center, in, in the belly of fish. Jesus was in the belly of the earth. Do you know what another word in the Bible for the belly of the earth or the center of the earth is? Hell. Do you know what scientists have found out? These scientists crack me up. Every time they do one of these great scientific things, they find out that it was just like the Bible said it was. They have drilled deep down into the earth. You know what you start to find out when you start drilling too deep into the earth? Drill bits start melting. Why? closer you get to the middle, the hotter it is. Okay? So Jesus goes down to the belly of the earth, also translated in other parts of Scripture, hell, from a Greek word, sheol. It even says the word Sheol in the King James Version Bible, if you want to look that up. But that's the Greek word, which literally means the abode. Get this. Don't, don't sleep on this. This, 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 rev, this revelation for you. The abode of the souls of the dead. The abode of the souls of the dead. Sheol. S-H-E-O-L. Sheol, which is the Greek word for hell. When Jesus said he went down into hell. And he led captivity captive, taking the keys to death and life. He led captivity captive. Well, where were they captive? They were captive in Sheol. They were cap- So literally, where did Abraham? Now, 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 this takes some explaining. Don't just run this by your preacher. He'll tell you I'm crazy and you need to lead this church. Where did Abraham go when he died? Paradise? That's an accurate answer. I'm going to throw another answer at you. He went to hell. He went to hell. He went now, 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 now Seth's drawing a diagram with his hands right now because he, he, he already knows because he's been taught this uh, growing up in the preacher's house. Uh, he went to Sheol, which is the abode of the souls of the righteous dead. Now, I started to bring that little tripod over here and draw this for you, but what I want you to picture is a big, giant chasm, a big, giant circle in the middle of the earth. And I want you to split it in half with a giant gulf in the middle. On one side of Sheol, hell, paradise, it is the abode of the souls of the righteous dead. Now let me see if you can guess what's on the other side of Sheol, hell, paradise. The abode of the souls of the unrighteous dead. That's where everybody who ever ever died before Jesus was raised from the dead went. They went to Sheol. They went to hell. They went to paradise. They went to the center of the earth. Some of them went into what the Scripture calls Abraham's bosom, paradise, the abode of the souls of the righteous dead. They're hanging out, waiting on the Lord, waiting on Jesus to come and lead captivity, them captive. He said, he that descended and led captivity captive is also he that ascended. So Jesus came to us from heaven, died, went down into the belly of the earth, freed the freed the prisoners, the Bible says. He didn't free any any unsaved people. He freed the ones who were stuck down there waiting on Messiah because here's the reality. We get saved. Everybody's ever been saved got saved the same way. We get saved by faith looking back at the cross. Abraham and everybody that died before Jesus got saved looking forward to the cross. It's just a different place in time. But it's always by what Jesus did on the cross. It's always that God would send Messiah. Think about what Jesus told the penitent thief on the cross in Luke 23, 43. Jesus said, I assure you today, you will be with me in heaven with God. That's not what he said. Today, you will be with me 
in paradise. So as soon as you close your eyes in this life, you open your eyes up somewhere else. You either open your eyes up in a, in a, in a place of uh, great peace or you open your eyes up in a place of great torment. Jesus told the thief on the cross, I promise you this, you'll be with me in paradise today. So the thief, special circumstance here, only one that ever did it, he left earth with Jesus and went down to the center of the earth too where Abraham and everybody else was already hanging out. And all the people that were sitting on Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom, paradise, the abode of the souls of the righteous dead, they were all waiting on Messiah to come and, and take the keys, bust captivity captive, and lead all them up into heaven. Okay? People on the other side, that's a different story. We don't have time to get into all that. We're going to get into a little bit of it before we close. In, in Ephesians 4, 8, the Bible says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. The one who ultimately went. See, Jesus did, died on the cross, went straight down into paradise. He descended. He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So when Jesus died, did he go straight up or straight down? So where did Jesus go when he died? Paradise, also known as Abraham's bosom, also where? Sheol, a different name for? Jesus died and went to hell. Now, see, you could Google, did Jesus die and go to hell, and you'll get 17,000 pages of documents with some good and some bad theology in it, but we can see plainly in Ephesians chapter verse 9 he that ascended that's obviously Jesus is he also he descended first into the lower part of the earth he told us uh, it's recorded in the gospels as he told his disciples that he must go into the belly of the earth just like Jonah went into the belly of the fish so here you got this great big chasm in the center of the earth you, you got paradise on one side. You got this big, giant space separator called a gulf. And then on the other side, you got real hell. Okay? It's all called Sheol, but some of it is paradise, and some of it is torture. Well, where are you getting all this from, Pastor Scott? I'm going to give you the short version and hopefully pique your interest to do some personal study. But listen to what the Bible says in Luke 16. In Luke 16, 20, the Bible says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dog came and licked his sores. Now, that's just disgusting all by itself. So you got this rich man, and you got this poor man. The rich man living in a mansion, eating big food. The poor man got, got, got sores on his body, and the dogs come around licking his sores. Now, that is just nasty. I know some of y'all, I've seen it with my own eyes. I can't believe it. Y'all let a dog lick you in the mouth. You know what he was licking before he licked you in the mouth. Where are you at? I mean, where are you at? I've seen people eat off the same spoon ice cream that a cat just licked on. What do you think that cat was licking? Right? Man, come on now. Dogs licking this man's sores. Now, now here's the deal. That is, this is just a little side note. This is just a little for some of y'all that like teaching. 
uh, this is just some trivia. Um, Gail was convinced, and I, and I echo her sentiment, I am going to die with more, more, with more trivial facts in my mind than, than, than anybody she, she ever met. And like, I, I, I love the, the little nuggets, little tidbits. Um, if you've been around for a while, you, you might know the answer to this question because I've said it a bunch of times. But the poor man who was sick and had sores, said he, 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 was, he was crippled, and the dogs would come lick his sores, and he couldn't even do anything about it. He would go to the rich man's house, be laid uh, at his gate, and he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Now, this ain't like bruh dropped some steak. Not how that went down. This ain't like dude, you know, dropped a rib and said, oh, let, 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 the, let the beggar have it. Crumbs. Now, history teaches us that uh, they didn't have, you know, you, you go to Sonny's and you get your hands all greased up in some pork. They got them little uh, things you peel. Wet naps. They got wet naps. And you got a little lemon sit. Uh, uh, Jake loves that lemon smell. We wash our hands in them wet naps and, and get all cleaned up. They didn't have wet naps at the rich man's table. They, they didn't even have bounty. Listen, they didn't even have sparkle. Hey, you frugal if you buy sparkle. I ain't cheating bounty. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, I skimped somewhere else. But they didn't even have that. The way they were, because they ate greasy food. They ate with their hands. It, it's so funny. One episode of Seinfeld. Any of y'all ever been to one of those, uh, like, Orlando dinner shows where they show the jousting in front of you and, and, and that kind of thing? Uh, so it was a Seinfeld episode. He, he's at this thing, and, and he's asking for a Pepsi which is nasty all by itself, but uh, he, he asked him for that. And the lady serving the table, she said, this is medieval times. That's the name of the place. Medieval times, they didn't have Pepsi. And he picks up his fork and knife. He said, but they had knives and forks? <laughs> they didn't have that either. Not, not the way we have them. So here's what we got. We got this. Poor dude named Lazarus, he's crippled, he's all soared up, dogs licking his sores. The only way he can eat is from the crumbs at the rich man's table. Now, that don't sound like a bad way to live. You shouldn't be hungry in America. I've already taught my kids. If I die, here's how you be homeless. And, and they got 400 different ways of being homeless uh, and making it. But do you realize there's enough wrapped up food in the dumpster behind every McDonald's in America that you ain't got to starve? Oh, well, I ain't eating no food out of a dumpster. Well, let me tell you what Lazarus was doing. He wasn't getting wrapped up Big Macs that were perfectly fine. I take that wrapper, throw that wrapper away. That burger's still good. Now, pay for it. Don't go straight to the dumpster if you got money. But this man was eating the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. When people would get done eating, they would take a loaf of bread, fresh-baked bread, bust it open, dig out a big wad of that bread, and just crumble it in their hands like that. Now, try this if you ever, you know, want to ruin somebody's bread. You get a bunch of grease on your hands, that bread will take it off. But you got to crumble it in your hands. So here's Lazarus. This dude is crippled. He's soared up. He's got dogs licking. And the food that he's eating is off the rich man's nasty, greasy hands. He's just hoping there's a sliver of pork stuck in it out from under a fingernail. This is how this dude's living. Uh, but he's got hope in the next life that the rich man don't have. Let's keep hearing what the story says. In verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar died 
and was carried by the angel into where? Not heaven, into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Close your eyes on this side. Angels carry you to paradise. If, if you're saved, believing in God, you close your eyes on this life as an unbeliever, you open up your eyes in hell. In hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So now the rich man is in this big giant chasm, abode of the souls of the dead on, on the unrighteous side. The beggar, Lazarus, he's in this chasm, the abode of the souls of the righteous dead on Abraham's bosom side, Sheol, hell. And they can see each other. But what I want you to understand from this teaching is that when you close your eyes in this life, you open your eyes immediately in the next life. And there's no negotiating from there. So this is why we don't grieve as others who have no hope. I believe this with everything that's in me. And I'm not just saying this uh, because Chiron and Destiny in the room. I'm saying this because I believe this with all my heart and, and can back it up theologically. Uh, when, when Brother David closed his eyes uh, on Thursday, in, in this life, he opened up his eyes in the presence of the Lord. We don't grieve like other people who have no hope. When my wife died at 8.15 on Sunday morning, as I sat there with her mother and father on one side of me on the other side of the bed holding on to her, as she took that last breath, she didn't open her eyes back on this side, but when that last breath left her body, she opened her eyes up on the other side. Now, when you die, you're going to close your eyes in this life, and you're going to open up your eyes in one or two places. Either you're going to be with God or you're going to be in trouble. The beggar, that don't mean all poor people go to heaven, all rich people go to hell. That's not the teaching. We see plenty of poor people going to hell, and we see some rich people going to heaven, not many. The Bible says God didn't choose many mighty, noble, and wise people to go to heaven. You ought to be glad that you just, uh, you, you just who you are. There should be no room for pride in the Christian's life. This, this is what God said he chose. He said he chose the foolish things of this world that he might put his power in them to confound the wise. He chose less than so he could put him in less than and they become more than. He chose messed up, ridiculous people so he could piece them together and they could say, but if it wasn't for God in my life. One part of the scripture, it says he chose the off-scouring. Now, I've told you what that means before, but I want to tell you what that means again. If you're saved at all, you're the off-scouring. Oh, and, and this is why all y'all getting boned up about, oh, not me. I, I, my, my people are Ashkenazi Jews, and Ashkenazi Jews have the highest IQ in the world. Oh, no, my people are all Asians, and Asians are the smartest, highest-scoring SAT people in the world. Oh, no, not me. I, 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 I'm a Nubian queen. All my people are kings and queens in Africa developing algebra and, 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 and philosophy. Uh, you you want to get all boned up and all proud about where, what your people came from when the Bible says if you're saved at all, you are the off-scouring of the earth. Let me tell you what the off-scouring means. It's that scum on the bottom of a barrel that's been sitting in the mud too long. That's who we are. We ought to be humble and thankful. God didn't have to save us. If you don't believe God could have picked somebody better than you, you don't really understand who God is and what it means to be picked by him. 
Okay? So it's not about being rich or about being poor. It's about who has faith in Christ. So in verse 23, it says, In hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. See the S on the end of that word, torments? The Bible is a specific book. The words in the Bible are specific. Hell is just not one torment. It's torments. The Scripture teaches us more about hell than it teaches us about heaven. We don't know a whole lot about heaven because God didn't give us a lot of information about heaven. But we do know several things about hell. Number one, it's a multitude of torments. It's being on fire constantly. The Bible says that your body will never be consumed by the flame. The fire will never go out. See, you light a piece of wood on fire, throw it in the middle of the parking lot, that fire will eventually go out. Once it loses fuel, fire goes out. But the Bible says in hell the flame never dies. It, all, it, uh, uh, it is never quenched. It also says the worm never dies. Your body will be consumed with maggots. You know, you, you, you let some, I uh, mean, I came up, I was hiking one time in the woods in the military, came up on this bloated up, freshly exploded cow. i never seen anything more disgusting than this. It was just covered in, in maggots, and it stunk so bad, we made a wide path around this thing. But, you know, maggots get on something that's dead after they eat up all the goody. They're done with, they don't just stay there forever. The Bible says in hell, not only are you going to be on fire forever, you're going to have maggots eating your body forever. It's never going to run out of a source for the fire. Never going to run out of a source for the maggots. It also says it's in outer darkness. Alone. When you go to hell, people are like, well, I don't go to hell because all my friends are there. You're going to be in outer darkness. You won't be able to see them. See, hell gets transitioned. What hell is now is going to get transitioned. Heaven, the Bible says it's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. There's a different hell than the hell that these people are in right now because this was just a temporary abode okay so this is where they open their eyes up there in the belly of the earth they're down there jesus ain't even there yet the thief ain't come with jesus yet they're down there and here's what happens with them he sees abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom now what a kick in the neck this got to be for the rich dude his life full of partying all night long looking at this he's feeling looking down his nose at lazarus oh that's that beggar that, that, that used to eat the breadcrumbs off my greasy hands while my dogs lick sores off him. But he sees him over there in paradise where he's all lit up on fire in hell. Verse 24 says, the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Does that sound like fun to anybody? People think hell's going to be a party. If, if you call being set on fire a party, then, then you need more, more help than I got time to give you this morning. Verse 25, listen to what Abraham replied to that request. He's just asking, verse 24 back on the screen, Dick. He's, he's just asking, he's so hot, he's so miserable, he's just asking for a, just a, 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 a touch of water off somebody's fingertip. He, he, he's, so, he's so tormented. Look at the last thing on the screen. I'm tormented in this flame. I'm on fire, and I I just need my my tongue. It it, it just hurts in my mouth. And in verse 25, Abraham said, Son, remember in thy lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. See, this is why we don't sorrow with others who have no hope. 
Because if somebody that you love died and went to heaven, they are comforted. If somebody that you love died and went to hell, they are tormented. You say, well, how do I deal with that as a Christian if I know mama died and she wasn't saved? Well, realize this, and I'm getting way ahead, but I need to tell you this. Some people think there's not going to be any crying in heaven. There's going to be lots of crying in heaven. There's going to be lots of crying in heaven. The Bible says that at a certain point after the judgment that Jesus will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why are people crying in heaven? Because their loved ones didn't make it, and they had to deal with that fact. But then when the Lord takes away all those tears and takes away all that pain, he must take away all that memory too because they said, and there will be no more crying. So there's the comfort that you have to receive even if you've lost people who you're not sure when in heaven is twofold. Number one, you don't know if they didn't call out on Jesus in their last breath. And just like Jesus saved the thief on the cross, he'll save anybody who calls out to him in their last breath, and you don't know. That, that, that's, still, that's still my greatest hope uh, for my father. Um, that's still my greatest hope for some friends of mine uh, who I'm not sure if they were saved. I, I hope they called out in their last breath. But if they didn't call out in their last breath, I still can't grieve as others because I know even though that be their eternity, it won't be mine. All right? Let, let, let's keep moving and get done with this. Verse 26. Now, now, now you're going to see what I've been telling you. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That would come from there. He told them, look, man, even if I wanted to send this boy over there, there's this big old giant gulf between us, between the, 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 the paradise side and the fire side. Uh, we can't get to you, and you can't get to us. This, this thing is set. There is no negotiating, but my man keeps trying to negotiate. Verse 27, he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now, my man's eyes wide open. You know who make the greatest preachers in the world if God would allow them to? People who've been in hell for 18 seconds like this dude. You know who would want to tell mama and them, brothers, cousins, auntie, nephew, nieces, you know who would want to get five minutes at the, at the family reunion to tell everybody, make sure you get saved? Folks have been in hell for about three seconds. This dude is like, hey, well, if you can't help me, then here's what I need you to do. I need you to send him uh, to go, go tell uh, my, my family this. Tell my father. Tell, tell my brother. I got five brothers. I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Verse 29, listen to where the negotiation gets cut. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, period. This is why when people say, Pastor Scott, when are you going to get with the times and, and do new church? Why don't you, bring, why don't you uh, do, do all the new cool things that everybody else is doing? Well, I mean, I, I get all these magazines and emails from people and organizations and groups wanting to teach pastors how to scam members into their church. They, I had one one time sent me a thing, guaranteed to get you at least 100 new visitors in your church this Sunday. They said take 300. They, they, they even had the form. All you had to do was print it out. Flyer, one-page flyer, just on a standard sheet of paper. We're having a popping good time this Sunday at church. Staple a bag of microwave popcorn to it. 
and tell them, bring this flyer to church with you on Sunday morning and enter our raffle to receive a free television, a free microwave to pop your popcorn and a free TV to watch as, as you sit and have a popping good time at home. And I'm like, so you want me to buy folk coming into church with, with con artistry offers of microwaves and televisions? Now, how many of y'all believe that, that that might work? Some people are like, hey, I can win a TV and a microwave. I'm coming. I've had people tell me, pastor, one of the largest churches in the city, told me that we need to quit giving food away on Saturday. They do their Sunday after church. That way, everybody who gets food will have, have to come to attend church service. I'm like, ah, the Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. I'm not going to manipulate people to come to church. They sit there hating me for an hour and a half, waiting on when we're going to get the food. You come if you want to. Don't come if you don't. Uh, go to heaven if you want to. Go to hell if you want to. But once you open, close your eyes in this life and open up your eyes in hell, there ain't going to be no negotiating. Because here, here's, here's what Abraham said. He said they got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him. Verse 30. Let's listen to what the lost man said. No, Father Abraham, that ain't going to work, dog. But if, if somebody went to them from the dead, then they will repent. They want to change the rules for everybody. It's like, yo, my brother's not going to listen to all you preaching. They ain't going to do church the way y'all want to do church. But listen, if you send somebody back from hell and they can, they, they, I'll show you the secret handshake and they'll know it was me that told them this, that there's a real hell. They will work a special deal. There's no special deals for people. There's no negotiation. In verse 31, Abraham said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. He's like, they ain't hearing it, they ain't hearing it. So many people want a special plan. Well, I need God. Uh, if God is real, he needs to appear to me. God, you ain't nobody to God. God don't have to appear to you. We, we're the dust beneath his feet. He, he's exalted, and we're, we're, not, we're not. He's high, and we're not. We need him. He don't need us. I hope you know you need God more than God needs you. This man trying to work some special arrangement, and they said ain't no special arrangement to have. Hear what the book says. See, that's what they had. They had the writings of Moses, and they had the writings of the Paul. He said, let them hear what the book says. And if they won't hear what the book says, they go to the same hell you're sitting in right now. No special deal. You get in the same way or you get out the same way. I want you to know the choice is yours today whether you spend eternity in heaven or you spend eternity in hell. You get to choose in this life whether or not you accept Christ or whether you don't. But once you close your eyes in this life, you better make sure. I thank God for my wife. I, 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 I thank God for Brother David. They made their choice. I, I wish he was here right now to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I, yeah, I, me and my kids say that around the house so much. Yes, Lord. I, hey, but you know what? He's saying yes to the Lord right now face to face. He made his choice. He made his choice. He made his choice in advance because there's no after-the-fact negotiation. See, you know, we, we, got, we got a system right now of punishment in America. We call it a judicial system, and we got a lot of begging going. I've been there. I've stood in front of the judge, begged for mercy, got, got one, one crime adjudicated, another one I had to do some stuff to get out of with some conditions. But uh, get in there, beg to the judge, I'm sorry, please, I will never do it again. And, you know, they, they, might, they might play that game. God don't play that game. You have grace now 
to receive Christ. You better make your choice in advance. This dude trying to make his choice after the fact was told you can't make your choice after the fact. Then he tried to make a special arrangement for his father and his brothers, and they're like, mm-mm, everybody's coming the same way, going the same way. You're waiting on God to do something special for you? He did it on Calvary. The Bible says he showed his love to us while we were sinners and, and, and that Christ died for us. If you don't trust the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, you can be like that thief on the cross. You, you can go to paradise with the Lord. If you don't want to do that, you can be like that rich man. You can bust hell wide open with no relief in sight. Okay, so uh, here's what the Scripture says. Now, for people, see, that was in the Gospels. That was when Jesus was alive. They had this belly of the earth thing. They were waiting on Jesus. Jesus died, takes the, the repentant thief with him. They go down, sit on Abraham's side. And, and they say, and, you know, Abraham's excited because he'd been waiting on this show up. All them people down there, all, all the Old Testament prophets, all the people that died before Jesus rose from dead, they, they've been told. They've already been promised. Soon the Messiah comes, he's going to take us up out of here. We, we ain't staying in Abraham's bosom forever. We're not staying in paradise forever. We're not staying in Sheol forever. We're not staying in the abode of the souls of the righteous dead forever. We're not staying in hell forever looking across this gulf of these people on fire. Jesus come down, the Bible says Jesus went down, took the keys, led captivity captive, took them all up to heaven. So, so now, you know, got crowded on Enoch and Elijah, God, because now all these people are up in heaven. So now, because Jesus had to be the first to be raised up, now everybody that dies ha- has a different path. Everybody that died before, whoop, one or the other side. Jesus dies, goes down. Takes all of them up with him. Now, 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, where's Jesus? Jesus didn't stay in the belly of the earth. How many days did he say he'd stay there? Three. Then he came back, showed himself to everybody. Then he walked on the earth for 40 days. Then he went up to heaven, and he's been sitting in heaven since then, waiting on the trumpet of the Lord to sound so time shall be no more. Waiting on God to say, go get my children. And the Bible says he's come back the same way he came before, that when he comes back, he's going to be on a cloud in the rapture, and he's going to catch us up. It's not the second coming. It's a different thing. It's Jesus coming back to get his church, and I hope that you're going to be in that number. Most movies get it all wrong. Some movies get some of it right. That whole Left Behind book series, they got some of it right. These rapture movies, they get some of it right because the Bible says two will be working in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two will be on a rooftop, one will be taken, the other will be left. Could you imagine sitting at your dinner table? Mom, dad, six kids. All of a sudden, dad and five kids still sitting there. Say, why it's got to be dad? Well, I'm just telling you how it normally goes. All of a sudden, whew, mom's gone. I already told y'all, listen, if, if y'all come to church and me, about eight or, eight or other, other people ain't here that should be here, anybody preaching want to preach. After the rapture, any of y'all that want to pastor the church, you tell them I said you could pastor the church. You'd be my, my heir apparent. Anybody that's still left here after the rapture, you can have my microphone and my car. Because I won't be needing it anymore. Could you imagine a pilot flying a plane? He gets snatched out of there. Everybody else left in that plane. Cars crashing. Drivers gone. 
Uh, here, here's the reality. The Bible, you say, well, if the rapture happened, Pastor Scott, and you were gone, and, and you know, the, the four people I know that's real Christian, they was gone too, I'd realize the rapture had happened. And millions of people around the world were missing, vanished into thin air. I'd realize the rapture had happened, and then I'd get saved. No, because the Bible says if God has given you an opportunity to put faith in him before this happens, listen to what Scripture says. He will cause you to believe the great lie. Now, you're like, oh, no, I'll know it was the rapture. You're not going to know it's the rapture if God calls you to believe the great lie. I got it all figured out what the great lie is. Now, think about it. Think about what everything has led us up to believe through, through culture right now. If all of a sudden a couple million people go missing from the world, people just disappear out your home in front of your face, where, where, where are we going to say all them people went? The aliens took them. We're set up for that. We're already set up for that. And you know, no, I'll know it was the rapture. And I'll get right with God then. You won't because God said he'll cause you to believe the great lie. So what am I telling you? You better make your choice in advance. You better make your choice in advance. This is a buy ticket only admission. You got to have a ticket when you arrive. You can't buy the ticket when you get there. You got to pre-order this ticket. You got to have ticket in hand to get in the door. You can't negotiate your way in. You can't beg, cry, plead your way in. You can't look across and say, "But I know, I know Lazarus." You see, the rich man he could have went into his bedroom, but but I fed him at my table. I, I was good to him. I, I let I let I let him play with my dogs. Uh, no, they none of that. You're where you are. We're where we are. So right now, Jesus, the Bible says, cleared out Abraham's bosom. Took all those people to heaven. So now when we die, we go straight to where the Lord is. The Lord is in heaven. So what happened to all that big space that was eating up half of hell? What the scripture says, hell enlarges itself daily. A lot of space got left up open for hell. Why does hell have to keep enlarging itself? A lot of people are going there. The Bible says that the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it. You're going to die one day. I'm going to die one day. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to close our eyes in this life. We're going to open our eyes up in the next life. You better make sure you know where your eyes are going to open up. Doesn't mean we don't grieve. Doesn't mean we lose people. Listen, I get it. I've been through a lot of grief in my life. I get it. We grieve for us. We grieve for us. I just started weeping when I heard the news about Brother David. Now, you know, on the one hand, I should have just been thrilled. I mean, he had just been cleared to start putting weight on his feet, to stand up. He had just told me. And I told Dean, I was on the phone crying. I said, I can hear his voice right now in my head. Same thing I told his wife. I can hear his voice right now. I was just talking to him. And he was so excited. Just went back to food and clothing, his ministry. For those of y'all that don't know, the reason he's in that wheelchair he was, he was picking up food for our food and clothing ministry when a teenager decided to cross the center line and head on crash him, serving the Lord. Positive about it, excited. He was just down here telling me, uh, always a hug, always a smile. Uh, one of the few men in this church that I've ever kissed on, on his, I don't kiss all y'all, some of y'all, y'all special. <laughs> rest of y'all, I don't trust y'all, y'all be telling lies about me. He made his choice. He lived his choice. 
anybody around him heard Jesus in his mouth. He had his ticket punched. Now, if, if I was all the way perfectly delivered, which I'm not, I would have just been high-fiving myself in the middle of my living room. He don't have to rehab no more. He, he, don't, he don't have to figure out how to put weight on them legs and deal with them screws and them rods and the pins in his legs. He don't have to worry about, you know, is, 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 is it going to be hard or easy to get back to, to full? He don't have to worry about, am I ever going to be able to be full strength? See, he and I struggled with the same back issue for a long time. Now, see, see some of y'all have, haven't made yourselves available. You're like, well, I can't, I can't never find Pastor. Everybody ever want to find me, find me. My phone number is listed in the phone book. My, my cell phone number is on the church website. And, and, and Brother David, uh, uh, he is one of the few people. I, well, I thought about this this morning. The only single person in this church. Now, thank God I got some pastor accountability friends. But the only single person in this church that regularly left a voicemail on my answer. I would get called. I'd look at my voicemail. I'd have a voicemail. And it, and, and it would be David Thomas just calling to tell me he loved me. The only person in this church that has ever done that, David Thomas. No, no, not one of y'all can say, oh, Pastor, I call you all the time just to tell you I'm just calling. Not one other person in the history of this church has ever done that but David Thomas. Call to tell me, I'm just thinking about you, Pastor. One knows I love you. Thank you for it. And just, just, I mean, he made his decision. He lived his decision. I should have been celebrating for him, but I was grieving for me because I want to see him again. I want to see him walk again. I want to see him drive again. I want to see him be, be serving God the way his heart wanted to serve God. Last scripture I'm going to give you because I know I'm way over. Listen to what David said after his son died. Now here's why we don't grieve like others who grieve who have no hope. Come on, Jeff. 2 Samuel 12, 23. They couldn't understand why David wasn't fasting anymore because when his son was sick, he was fasting and crying and he wouldn't eat and he wouldn't be comforted. And, and he was a wreck emotionally. But as soon as his son died, he got up, washed his face, and, and, and went on about his life. And he said, well, why should I fast now that he's dead? Can I bring him back again? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. He knew he couldn't. But listen to what he said. I will go to him one day. But he cannot return to me. That's why we don't grieve like others who have no hope. See, we grieve for us. I'm still sad that, that Gail's not here. I, I, I still... I. Every day, I was just telling Judy the other day, Judy, Judy uh, husband passed away and, uh, a year ago. This week, she took him to the hospital he didn't, uh, for, for the last time. And, and I, I told her, um, there's so many days like that. And, and then I, my prayer for her and my hope for her is that 12 years later, almost every single day we still won't stand out as, as, as something of note. A song, a bird. The way a cloud looks, a, a verse of scripture, a TV show. All these things remind us of people that we love that aren't here anymore. Now, my question to you today in closing is this. If you believe that somebody you love died and went to heaven, can you say like David said? Because you know, you already know half of it. You know you can't bring them back. But do you believe you're going to go to them one day? See, if you believe that they're in heaven and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, you don't have to grieve like a, you're going to grieve. You're going to be sad for you. You don't have to be sad for them. I already told people, and I don't think too many people are going to do it anyway, but you don't have to cry for me when I die. 
I'm going to be in heaven, not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a good man. I'm going to be in heaven because Jesus Christ died for me on the cross, and I believe he rose the third day according to the Scripture. My ticket is paid. I've already made my decision. I'm going to see my wife again. I can promise you that. I'm going to see David Thomas again. I can promise you that. This, this is why I don't grieve. I'm grieving, but I'm not grieving like lost folk grieve. I'm not grieving like other people. You, you ain't never. This, 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 this rich man, he's never going to see his five brothers. They're in outer darkness and torment. That's all he's ever going to know. He's still in the same place right now, 2,000 years later. This rich man is still on fire in hell, and he will be forever. Where are you going to be when you close your eyes in this life? Where are you going to be? Have you made your decision? Stop thinking you got forever to live. Nobody plans on dying. Nobody plans on today being their last day. Nobody plans on this being the day they step out into eternity. What if somebody crossed that center line on you today? What, what, what if you're sitting on the side of your bed and you just fall over? My best friend, 12 years old, watch his father. 38-year-old father, stand up off the couch, fall down in front of him in the living room dead before he hit the ground. He wasn't planning on dying that day. He wasn't planning on losing his father that day. We don't know when our time is up. I'm going to live forever. I know that's not, you're not going to live forever in this life. The Bible says you have an appointment to die and then to be judged. It's coming. It's coming. I hope you live a good long life. I hope you have many years. I hope you die the way the Bible says David died. The Bible says King David died full of years. He was at peace in his bed full of years. He lived a good long life. I hope that happens for you. But you don't have that promise. You don't know when it's going to happen. So I want to ask you this. Do you know for sure? Do you know for sure that if you closed your eyes today in this life, that you'd open your eyes up in heaven. Some of you know if you die today, you're not going to heaven. You know you're not saved. On the inside, you know it. On the, deep in your heart, you know that you don't have real salvation. Boy, it'd be a great thing if every preacher in the, in the, in the, in the world got real salvation. Because every, every preacher in the world don't have real salvation. Every church member in the world don't have real salvation. But everybody's going to have a real heaven or a real hell. And you better make your choice in advance. Because as the scripture shows, there's no negotiating after the fact. Jesus already took everybody out of paradise, led captivity captive, and ascended with them. You die in Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You die outside of Christ, hell will be your portion. And there won't be no cold water for your tongue. There won't be no relief for your torments. It'll be eternity. Pray with me. God, thank you for provision, for salvation. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for hope. Thank you that even though we grieve, we don't grieve the way others grieve because we grieve with hope. We grieve with hope that we will live with, in heaven with you forever and that we will see all those who've gone on before us and that you will bring them back with you when you come for us. God, I pray for everybody in this room, Lord, that is not truly saved. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you let them choose you let them be saved draw them by your spirit just for a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed I just want to give you an opportunity I'm not going to ask you to come up front but I want to give you an opportunity where you sit right now to change your eternity I want to give you an opportunity to get your ticket 
punched in advance. I want you to give you an opportunity to make your decision for Christ. It's not difficult. You don't have to crawl across broken glass. You don't have to sign any paperwork. The Bible says if you'll call on the Lord with your whole heart, He will hear you and He will save you. Some of you are thinking that you've already tried that and it didn't work for you. The Bible says you'll find Him when you search for Him with your whole heart. you got to be full out, ready to be committed with everything you have to be the man, the woman, the young person that God designed, created, and destined for you to be. I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is not magic and this prayer won't save you. But if you mean it in your heart, God will respond to your faith. The Bible says faith is what pleases God. If you pray in faith, believing that God is hearing you, and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins and save you, the Bible says that He will do it. I'm going to pray this out loud if you want to be saved today. Now, if you're already saved, you don't need to pray this prayer. You just, need to, you just need to repent of what you're doing wrong and live right. But if you know that you're not saved and you want to get saved today, then I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. The Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your mind. If you're not saved and you're ready to get saved today, you pray this silently in your head after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. God, I pray you'd forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me a new person. Change me. Deliver me. Save me. Help me to live the life you want me to live. I choose you today. I repent of all that I've done wrong. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that or something like that in your mind, if you just some kind of way ask God to save you for real, I want you, with nobody looking but me, I just want you, as, as, as a sign of faith, I just want you to, to, if you prayed that, I just want you to lift your hand, put it up in the air, say, I prayed that, all right, all right. Anybody else say, I prayed that, okay, all right, okay. Anybody else say, I prayed that, Pastor Scott, I asked God to say, okay. Any, all right, all right, all right. That's about 18 people. Just prayed that prayer. Let's, let's all pray together. God, we thank you for these who have made commitment to you today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help others to choose you over themselves, God. Let us follow you because we desire to be with you and to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.